0: Hello and welcome to uh, the B2B lead podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrad and today we have a very interesting and special guest with us, Liz J. Simpson, founder of Stimulus. And our topic we're going to discuss today is the common LinkedIn mistake costing your business opportunities. And we're going to dive into that topic today. Short about Liz, She's an author, speaker, trainer, and a thought leader working with a lot of B2B professional service firms, looking to leverage LinkedIn and uh, digital sales in many different ways, both strategic and in high-value relationships, but also how they can become better lead generation organizations and just becoming more efficient around clients' acquisition. So it's really good to have you with us here today. Uh, Welcome, Liz, to the podcast
1: thank you i'm so excited to be here this should be a really fun conversation
0: yeah and we're really looking forward to talk to you and um, i know you have a really interesting background as a person so before we dive into the linkedin um, and all the learnings that i'm sure you will give us here today can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you ended up here
1: <laughs> yes it's been a. it's definitely been an interesting journey I'll say my my corporate background, so my professional career was focused in sales. So I spent over 13 years in a sales career um, before I guess I had an early midlife crisis and abruptly left corporate. Um, <laughs> and so my whole career, I was focused on sales and I really just fell into marketing. Um, when I left corporate and started my own business i was initially focused on creating a global movement to empower domestic violence victims and so i wanted um after all this time in corporate i wanted to do something to give back and for greater personal fulfillment and so to build this global domestic violence awareness platform i inadvertently had to learn marketing and i didn't know at the time i was learning digital marketing i was just bootstrapping a movement and so um, everything this is like seven years ago when Facebook ads were nothing I mean you pay like a few cents for a Facebook ad conversion um, and I had Nobel Prize winners and I had a list on AWeber and so I was doing I was building a digital marketing infrastructure before that was really a thing and, and I didn't know what I was doing and then soon after that um, off of some of the attention from that movement I started to have businesses and clients come to me to ask me to consult for digital marketing, which was really strange because I was the salesperson my whole entire adult life. That grew into a client bringing me in as their chief growth officer. And that was the first official role where I was consulting and leading both sales and marketing. And we broke record-breaking revenue numbers in that experience. And that became the place where I just fell in love with the marriage between sales and marketing. And aligning them to create revenue growth.
0: Yeah, such an interesting story. And now you're running this company, Stimulus. Can you just shortly describe what your scope of services is there?
1: Yes, absolutely. So we help clients leverage digital strategies and LinkedIn for new client acquisition. So basically, we have clients that we create their new sales playbooks for. I train, as well as um, we also help clients with LinkedIn marketing. So What are they doing with LinkedIn? How are they building relationships to fill their pipeline?
0: Yeah, interesting. And those uh, are big and interesting topics. Very, very much discussed today since we are in a situation where most companies need to go digital, of course, in order to drive the lead gen when they can't rely on events anymore. So um, let's dive right into this. Uh, I know a lot of companies have a lot of questions around how to leverage LinkedIn from a B2B standpoint to get the best marketing results and and integrate their sales force and so on. So why do you think LinkedIn is such an important platform for B2B companies today, if you start there?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a salesperson's dream. I mean, it's the thing that's never existed ever. As as a salesperson, for me to be effective in new client acquisition, there's so many pieces of the puzzle I have to have. I have to understand who my buyers are. I have to have contact information from my buyers. I have to have access to my buyers. I need the ability to build a relationship with my buyers. I need them to see me as an authority or a peer so that they don't view me as this you know, you know, pesky salesperson. Um, there's, there's so much that typically in the past, we were having to piecemeal in order to be effective in new client acquisition linkedin gives me all of that at my fingertips i now can research and find all of my buyers based off of um, search terms i then now have immediate access to them i have their contact information i can send them audio messages and video messages instantly i now can influence them by what i publish on linkedin i now can establish thought leadership and authority and maintain proximity to my buyer without having to be salesy so all of this now exists on one platform and if you've been in sales or marketing for a while you realize this has never existed and this is a gold mine
0: yeah i totally agree it's such a good working tool for for sales uh, and uh, and so finding a prospect all so really interesting do you see how, how do you see the adoption coming from b2b perspective to use and leverage all the possibilities there is with LinkedIn?
1: Good question. So in the United States, um, our statistics show that 80% of B2B leads are sourced from LinkedIn. So we're definitely leveraging the platform um, for B2B purposes is very strong. The challenge is, as you know, that the way to be effective is you have to understand buyer behavior. So just because everyone knows that one platform is where to go to get uh, leads, Doesn't mean that everyone knows how to evolve and adopt to the needs of the buyer to better leverage that platform. So, we're now at a place where adoption is high because people know to leverage the platform, but also because there's, you know, anyone can have access to LinkedIn. Now, you have people who are spamming, they're using automation, and they're trying to use all these strategies because they know it's a good place to be, but they're not effective. So, adoption's high. I would say success rates vary. Um, because it's still a skill set and you still, still have to focus on human-to-human interaction.
0: What is an effective behavior from your perspective? How should you go about from some best practice uh, standpoints, do you think, as a B2B company?
1: Sure. So first is positioning. The majority of companies I work with do not have clear enough positioning for any of their marketing or sales strategies to be effective. So people love to blame the tactics when they don't have clear positioning. So positioning, by positioning, I mean you have to really understand your buyer inside and out. You have to choose a buyer. <laughs> you can't be everything to everyone. And once you've niched and you really understand who your buyer is, then you need to get your messaging together and have clear messaging that's buyer focused. So really focusing on the outcomes, this, the strategic high value results and outcomes that your is looking for. And then also making sure that we're authentic in our messaging. So uh, Edelman is a global uh, communications firm, and they did a study that found that consumer trust is at an all-time low um, across the globe, meaning that buyers are more skeptical than ever the more that they have access to information. And so while a uh, a consumer may have uh, limited trust when it comes to like this big company name, they have a higher uh, inclination to trust this individual who's visible and who's authentic and who's generous with information and who is sometimes polarizing, right? And so the first is to get your positioning aligned and to move away from this very box, large company messaging and allow the leaders that the client facing leaders within your company to focus on their personal brand, right? Um, even your sales teams, it's all about how can we focus more on more human-to-human interaction so i would start there and then once you've really have your positioning and messaging aligned it's really i focus on account based strategies so who are you looking to influence and then how do we go out and build those relationships and offer value through linkedin
0: yeah really interesting and so good to hear the positioning is is the one of the cornerstones in being successful there i know there also are a lot about the tactics on linkedin people uh, if you look into for example instagram uh, where a lot of social media gurus is saying you should post 40 times a day or you know <laughs> <laughs> things like that there's a lot- a lot of different opinions about what is good behavior and what is efficient around posting and sharing content and reaching out to prospects and so on so what's what's your take in all these <laughs> opinions
1: <laughs> yeah it, it it varies right based off of your buyer. but the thing about LinkedIn that I love is the reach and the shelf life for your posts um, is longer so I'm still trending on posts that from two weeks ago on LinkedIn. Um, I noticed that people are liking posts that are from a week ago. So you have a longer shelf life with your LinkedIn posts. It just depends on your firm. So some of some of the clients that I work with were never posting. And so if we can get them to 12 posts a month, we are rocking it. And so typically 12 posts a month, which is about three posts a week, if you're brand new, you haven't been posting consistently I typically from my clients say that's a good benchmark to start now ideally where I focus is daily so my goal is to have one post a day on LinkedIn LinkedIn is changing rapidly um, at the end of 2019 uh, one post a day meant Monday through Friday but now um, even before you know current times and with people being you know with people working from home even before the pandemic started, uh, early 2020, I was realizing that engagement was increasing on the weekends. And so now one post a day really is daily, you know, Saturday through Sunday. I am very, uh, I'm huge on productivity and performance. I don't have a ton of time um, because I'm running my business and some other things. So I batch my content. So I know that's typically you know 30 posts a month that i'm looking at and so i typically batch and create that in a few hours and so um but i organically post it
0: okay that's uh sounds like a lot of job to create any tips there how, how you can Yeah,
1: not at all. It doesn't take long at all. So for my clients, when we do 20 posts a month, all we're looking at, so we look at the B2B buyer's journey and I chunk it to simplify it. So I look at the awareness, consideration, and the decision stage of the buyer's journey. And we go through and we identify what are the questions that your buyer um, is asking themselves through each stage of this journey. Other questions that we ask are, what's wrong with my industry? What's not being said that we want to say? How do we qualify and quantify the cost of the status quo for our buyer? Meaning, what does business as usual look like for them? What are their emotional feelings? Because we know buyers make emotional decisions that they justify with logic. So how do we qualify their emotional frustration? What are they dealing with? And then how do we quantify it? And so from there, each month I have my clients identify four topics. So from that, and typically they come up with a list of like 10 to 12, if not more, of questions or topics or, um, you know, from a sales perspective or business development perspective, what are questions that you're often being asked during the buying process? Or what are some common objections that you hear? And if you go through and take the time with your positioning, you're going to find a ton of questions come up. And so each month we're just focusing on four, that's four weeks in a month. So we take one topic and we repurpose it three to five ways each week. So if I have one topic for the week, now I'm going to record a two minute video on that topic. So um, I'm, I'm doing all these hand moments, ha- hand movements like you guys can see me and you can't. So <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what I would do is, so imagine one week, we have one topic, each topic. So if we identify, here's the topic we're gonna focus on then what are three main points that we want to focus on for that topic almost like you're writing you know an essay and mm-hmm. so one topic three main po- points we take that and we record a two minute video now we take that and we turn that into an article or a long form post and then we take that and now we turn it into a document so it's basically on canva you can build these it's like a pdf and The first page is the topic, and the second page is the first main point. And so now we have a five-page PDF that we can upload. So it's very simple. It's just being very strategic and planning ahead. At this point, I do it so often I can plan a month's worth of content in a few hours. Wow,
0: that's fantastic. Great process you have uh, set up there for reposting. So great. Yeah,
1: I think if you stay buyer focused, I, I think that's where people get tripped up. But if you really stay buyer focused on the problems, mm. um, that will fill so much content. And then naturally, as things naturally happen and current events, or you're led to talk about something, or you want to let more of your personal views show up, you'll find that oh my gosh, like like some months, I feel like I have more content than I have time uh, to post it on LinkedIn.
0: Yeah that's good <laughs> that's a good topic a good sign that you have a lot of uh, content to provide of course so what what kind of content do you feel is converting or, or generating the most interest or likes or shares
1: uh, it varies by client so because we manage uh, several several different clients uh LinkedIn, so for myself I typically see more authentic posts I, I feel like whenever I do um, an article that speaks to really leadership or it's interesting because those posts that feel the most uncomfortable before I post them where I'm like, ah, I think I'm being a little too, not personal, but I think I'm being a little bit too vulnerable. Mm. Like those posts where I feel very vulnerable and I feel like I might be a little bit polarizing um, and I let my guard down a little bit to say how I really feel about something in business. Those tend to be the ones that I get the greatest engagement on. As far as media forms, I find that uh, video, um, my video posts tend to have a very long shelf life and trend, as well as um, I'm finding documents are doing very well right now. I don't know if that's just because it's new, um, but documents do well as um, also. Articles, when you publish on LinkedIn, articles do not get the best um, engagement per se on LinkedIn. But from an SEO standpoint, they have the best back in SEO. And so I leverage that more for sales assets, which is a whole nother spider web um, there. But just so people know why articles are still valuable.
0: Yeah, interesting. So, so, um, yeah, is that the articles you refer to LinkedIn Pulse?
1: Yeah, yeah, they used to be the Pulse. So, yeah,
0: when you go in
1: and you write an article, absolutely.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they're still working then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they still work for SEO
0: ah oh, perfect because it, it hasn't been spoken about so much uh, last year i can suppose but uh interesting yeah, yeah. i suppose they're um, definitely still working there so uh, this is so good uh what is the when you work with clients who are, you know want to become good at this what is it that they don't do or what is the biggest mistake they do
1: Yeah. So the biggest mistake is people are focused on posting and connecting. (laughs) So they're, they're just, they're focused on what should I post and they're focused on collecting connections. And so I tell people my money comes from the stuff that you never see. Um, So I close deals because one, you need to optimize your LinkedIn profile. Um, People like to skip over this part. But by optimizing your LinkedIn profile, I can't tell you how many times my company does LinkedIn audits and individuals still have the blue default background cover banner. Their LinkedIn profile personal page isn't connected to a company page. They don't have a company page set up. So optimizing your LinkedIn personal profile page, and if you're a company with team members, every single client facing team member should have an optimized LinkedIn profile page. And by optimize, there's, there's several things. Um, so I won't, I won't have time to go in depth in this. But just making sure instead of, right now, most people's profiles read like an old resume, right? It's like, I carry this much quota. And these are the results I got from my company. And I'm a very high-driven, dynamic achiever, right? And so that's great if you're trying to get a job, potentially. But if mm-hmm. your buyers are looking at your personal profile page, it's turning them off. And so there's a statistic that says 90% of firms rule out a service provider before ever even talking to them. And we also know that 67% of the buyer's journey is done digitally. LinkedIn is one of the top five indexing sites with Google. So if you Google your name, odds are your LinkedIn profile is going to be one of your top results. I've invested in SEO for my website. I have a YouTube channel that I've had for seven years and YouTube is owned by Google. But if you Google me, my LinkedIn profile page is the first thing that shows up. And that wasn't by design. That just happens to be how rich LinkedIn's relationship is with Google. So if your buyer, regardless of if someone's a word of mouth referral, regardless of if someone is doing an organic Google search, regardless of if you've done outbound outreach and cold contact to a buyer, Every buyer, if they're interested, is going to Google you before they determine if you're worth having a conversation with. And if the first or if one of the first five results is your LinkedIn profile and they go to your profile page and it looks like a resume, you already are missing out on opportunities just from there. So the first mistake is not optimizing your profile. Um, I would say the five key areas, if you had time to work on your profile, are your cover banner, your profile image your headline, the about section, and your work experience section. Those are five core areas that you need to optimize for your buyer. I would say on the, on the heels of that, you know, the first core mistake is not optimizing your profile. Um, the second then is not engaging with your buyers. So I close deals through LinkedIn, not because necessarily of what I post. What I post establishes authority and interests but i close deals because i actually interact with my buyers through linkedin messaging so when i connect with them i'm sending them natural videos saying you know pleasure to connect with you love to learn more happy to be a resource so i'm building really authentic relationships through linkedin messaging as if i was highly engaging with someone at just a wonderful networking event um so i would say those are just some core mistakes
0: oh uh, so interesting so yeah That is a long journey to get everything in place, I suppose, before you can really get uh, all the benefits from it. So interesting. Thank you for that. So I also have a question about uh, account based marketing on LinkedIn, which I know can be quite powerful. Uh, Is that something you recommend your clients to use in order to uh, go after advertising solutions for specific accounts or so?
1: So a great question. I typically work with companies who are smaller businesses, right? So they're not at a point where some of the demand marketing strategies make sense for them to spend a lot on advertising. I focus on our organic reach. So um, I've had clients that are doing advertising on LinkedIn. But when I say, I guess when I say account-based, I more so mean you have an identified list of accounts that you're looking to build relationships with and you have a multi-touch cadence, and a really focused strategy for how many touches, what are the plays, what's the language going to be, and how are we really going to engage these target accounts? Um, But so definitely, I know there are people who advertise who say it's very effective. Um, For my clients, we found great success through organically using LinkedIn. And so we're using the two-pronged approach of really publishing insights and leveraging the personal profile page to publish there and build expertise or or build authority. You should already have expertise, but to really amplify your influence. And so while they're publishing insights on LinkedIn and we're strategic there, which is the marketing uh, aspect, we're also using Sales Navigator to have our list of target accounts to tag those target accounts so we know where they are in the buying process. And then we're executing a cadence between LinkedIn, email, um, and oftentimes physical mail. So we have an account-based strategy, a full cadence for how we're uh, engaging with those accounts until they convert into a client or say no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so many interesting topics you, you mentioned here. Uh, I have one follow-up there. In-mail, is that working? in your cadences to reach out to cold contact and uh how do you do it to get a good response there
1: yeah email's killing it um you know it's it's frustrating it's it's two prongs so while while there's so much automation and spam happening one it's making a weary buyer so it, it kind of increases the skepticism of potential buyers But on the other hand, when you do it well, people are so shocked. So (laughs) I don't know which one's better, right? So, um, but yes, InMail is something that I've been using, I would say for the past, um, say about three years or might have been two years now, InMail has literally been a game changer. And so... Uh, Definitely, it's all about human to human personal interaction. So when I leverage in mail, it's always custom tailored one on one to that individual. I've I've tried different strategies. I just um, do not believe automation works well, even if you have to have a, a virtual assistant to help you. But the best way to do it is, is to be natural. If you sent a one-to-one video to someone, you would be amazed. There was a period of time when I was first testing video and email, and I literally had 100% contact to meeting conversion through video and mail that lasted about four and a half months. It was, it was crazy. So what I would do is when my potential buyers, when I would connect with them, you know, I would send a video. And so sometimes it was personal of like, you know, I read this article, just wanted to say, you know, hey, I love this post that you had. Um, so just being myself, really. Um, and so through that, you just would be surprised how you built relationships. From a business strategy, one thing we've been doing too is like you can use Loom, L O O M, L O O M video, and you can do like a screen share recording. And so because we do LinkedIn, um, marketing for clients, one way that we were building relationships was through LinkedIn audits. So our team would take a few minutes to do um, an audit of someone's LinkedIn profile page. We would record a screen share through Loom. So with Loom, you could see that person's face and you can see the screen. And so when we would send these mail videos, so we'd send the videos through mail on LinkedIn. So immediately through the thumbnail, the prospect sees their own LinkedIn profile and someone's face. So they know immediately this isn't spam, this isn't automation, this person literally has my LinkedIn profile up while they're talking. And so when they play that, where it's all about give, 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 right? How are you providing value? So someone says throw value around like glitter or throw it around like confetti. So um, it's all about offering value and insights first, building relationship, really wanting to get some, to know someone And not doing an ask up front, it drives me crazy. So many people connect and they're already asking you for something. Uh, uh, Who is it? Uh, Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People talks about deposits and relationships and how you, you want to make deposits into a relationship like it's a bank account and how a bank account can get overdrawn. And so that's how you want to, just how you would approach very healthy relationships is exactly how you should approach all of your tactics for sales and marketing.
0: Yeah. So insightful there. Another tactical question around uh, LinkedIn for sales, and that's Sales Navigator, who have become very popular over the last few years. Do you think Sales Navigator is worth the quite pricey uh, license fees for a sales organization? And how can we leverage it in the best way?
1: Yes, I'm obsessed. I don't know what I would do without sales navigator. No. <laughs> I am obsessed. I'm obsessed. Absolutely. So yeah, there, there's so much to it. There's so many layers to sales navigator. I mean, everything from, you know, having greater filter capabilities to build your list of prospects. I really treat sales navigator oftentimes. I won't say oftentimes, I treat it like my CRM. And so meaning that in sales navigator. I can filter my prospects. So if I know, if we've done our positioning and I know the industry, geography, buyer job title, the budget, the technology that they're using already, if I have all of these things in my positioning, all I have to do is plug them into Sales Navigator to pull up a list of accounts. And then once I've saved that, those leads, LinkedIn, every time I log in, is giving me updates on those leads. So if I'm trying to build natural relationships, If So for my prospects, it's like, if you only have 30 minutes and you're going to LinkedIn, what are you going to do? Well, Sales Navigator helps you be tremendously more productive because now that I've saved my leads, I go into Sales Navigator and it gives me updates. This person has changed jobs. This person was featured in the news. This person that you saved as an account um, just posted, right? So it's a feed. It's a special feed just for those that I have listed as targets. Also you have tags. So if I want to know again I only have 30 minutes and I'm trying to figure out what to do, I can then filter in Sales Navigator and say I want to I want to filter all of the leads that I saved who are in the prospecting stage that I sent a message to. And so now through that tag LinkedIn will say do do do. All right, well here are the 20 people that you sent a message to that you were waiting for a response from. Right? So it helps me be highly targeted there. Um, not to mention you get additional messages there there's other additional um, functionalities that you gain from sales navigator. but yeah, it, it's it's a it's mandatory for me in my tool belt.
0: So so good to hear you're truly a power user, there, I can tell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it makes life easier, right? It's just it's oh. always like the ROI. if I spend, At U.S. dollars, I spend $80 a month. If you have a company and you have numerous seats, you can pay like $130 a month per seat. But if these are people who are actively, their role is about building strategic relationships. If it's about um, building relationships with centers of influence, if they're actively prospecting, then it definitely pays out in dividends. There's a high ROI if you're using it effectively.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. So, do you see any trends around LinkedIn for B two B companies in in uh, the coming year or or this year?
1: You know, it's interesting with with everything that's happening in our world and and with online engagement being through the you know through the roof right now. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how things shake out this year as far as LinkedIn. We've been seeing a trend in video. It's been clear that LinkedIn has had an emphasis on video. I think the LinkedIn documents um, has been going very well. Um, I've heard whispers that um, the idea of Instagram stories is coming to LinkedIn so clearly they're really um, focusing on video so I think one of the smart things to do is if you're client-facing team members are not comfortable with video, it's 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 over for that. Like, it, the excuse of I'm not comfortable getting on camera is done. <laughs> you really, in a digital <laughs> age, you know, and just to not geek out about science, but I always love the why behind things. And so I'll never forget when I was chief growth officer and we were looking at building a team culture and improving our team culture, and we were a remote company. So we had people all, all over the, the country in our company and we had a consultant who said when you're having meetings you need to turn your camera on because if we're building relationships with other human beings your brain has so many data points that come from visual behavior right so from your your mannerisms your movements there's so much data there's so many data points that your brain needs to interpret communication so when you when you do when you're limited from those data points it helps to increase miscommunication and misunderstandings. And so in a digital world, in a digital ecosystem, you want to give your buyer access to all the data points they need to build that know, like, and trust factor. So I'll just say video is huge on that. I kind of went on a tangent, but um, Mm video is huge there. Um, And then also I would say personal branding is huge to your, uh, you, you mentioned earlier how you're seeing some Facebook things happen on LinkedIn. And so I I do think it's important for us to realize LinkedIn is for business, but also for us to realize we're all in the business of people. And people at the end of the day are making buyer decisions regardless of their job title. And so it's maintaining professionalism, but also just allowing more of your personal brand to, to stand out. I'm finding some of the most successful people on LinkedIn are the people who are the most authentic and genuine. And they've kind of peeled back the mask so people can fall in love with the true person, even if that person is polarizing.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting trends you brought up there. Let's see what's happening. But I'm sure we can see that video will become even bigger this year to come as well. Liz, we have got so much insights and uh, good tips and tricks uh, from you. I'm so grateful for that. I know a lot of people who will listen to this will be interested in knowing more about you and your company and your content. So where can they go to find more about you?
1: Thank you. The best place is LinkedIn. I would love to connect on LinkedIn. So Liz J. Simpson on LinkedIn. And and please let me know that you're coming from this podcast so I can tell you guys how wonderful your podcast is and, and how great your audience is. So if you want to find me on LinkedIn, Liz J. Simpson, let's connect there and please tell me that you're coming from the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for chatting with us today, Les. It was a pleasure and we wish you all the best with uh, your company and your consulting with clients around LinkedIn. I'm sure we'll have a lot of benefits in our audience uh, from your tips and recommendations here today. Thank you so much. And to everybody listening in today, thank you so much for today. Thank you for listening to lead generation strategies for b2b tech companies don't forget to subscribe you will find it where podcasts live discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com